God bless you. You guys are awesome. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. They like, sometimes they do a solid drum roll whenever I say, give them a good hand. So, hey, uh, I got a word for you today. So if you have a mobile device, a phone, pen and paper, grab something, uh, just write. You're going to write mainly about six different words down. That's it. But uh, I like to try to give people something that they can take home with them so that on Monday morning, Y'all can just be like, hey, pastor said this. I need to, I need to write it down. I need, I need to do that. And so it's important today, if you will, because sometimes we find ourselves in trouble, right? And if we find ourselves in trouble, it's, it, we want to kind of get through those things. And so I, I first of all want to honor my spiritual father, uh, Janie's uh, father. I, you know, I, I spoke at a church planters conference one time. I was asked to speak, and I said, uh, they wanted me to raise money because they wanted to give all these guys $30,000. And I said, here's the way you plant a church. This is the best way. How many wants to plant a church? And they were like, oh, I want to plant a church. I want to plant a church. Pastor, I want to plant a church. So could you teach us how? I can teach you how I saw it done. Yeah, 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 that's it. That'd be So sell everything you got. The jaws dropped. <laughs> everything you got. Put your name on the church building. What? Yeah, buy the church and then move your family of six in the church basement and then live there for like three years. Like take baths in the baptismal tank. That's the coolest thing in the world. And they were like shaking. I was never asked back <laughs> to speak again. <laughs> and, then, and one of them said, bro, you're kind of a spiritual Navy SEAL, aren't you? I said, yeah, but I was, I was raised spiritually by the commander in chief. <laughs> I said, the pastor I had, he was like wartime Navy SEAL. He was, that's <laughs> you, bro. So, I said, you, don't, you don't pray unless you pray at five in the morning. You don't pray until you pray Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, then Sunday school, then church, and then back at church again that night. And we were in church five times a week, but I love it. Went trade it for the world. Amen. So thank you guys for coming out. We appreciate it and love you so much. Love you dearly and think highly of you. You guys are rock stars in our book. 82 and 83, and they drove here 17 hours from Iowa. Isn't it? Come on, that deserves another hand of appreciation. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. So God is so good, but so, all the time, God is good. Hey, Jane and I are going to speak next week together. Uh, we're going to do a, a series on parenting. It's going to look different, though. It's kind of like church parenting, but why you want to be where you need to be in the times that you need to be at. So we'll be speaking together at least for the next couple of weeks or off and on for the next, through this series. So come on out. But sometimes we find yourself in trouble. How many, you want to be honest, you've gotten yourself in trouble before? Like maybe you, you know, you took out that loan you shouldn't have or you said that thing you shouldn't have or maybe you did something that just was stupid and it's like, oh, now I'm in trouble. And, or sometimes we get in, we're in trouble and it wasn't our fault, right? We just like, man, the economy or a pandemic or something happens. It's like, man, I didn't, I didn't plan this. I didn't do this. Everything, everything was all right. The, the boss said the economy was going to be good. We didn't hear, see a pandemic and we get in trouble. I want to show you or tell you some scriptural ways of getting out of trouble today. Now, here's the deal, and I can make this promise clear this morning, that you, you will at some point in time have a trial in your life, okay? Either you just came out of a trial, maybe you're in a trial, or you might be going into a trial, I'm not professing bad things over you, but I am saying that there will be trials in all of our lives. Those things are going to come, all right? And so uh, let me give you a word today 
today that shares with you on how to get out of trouble. We often like trials to trouble. Man, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I can't pay this bill. I can't do this or these things are happening or all these things. And so we want to try to help you today to get out of trouble. So let's go to Galatians, the sixth chapter. We're going to read the first three verses. And the Bible says, and I like this, how it refers to brothers. And we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks, how the church, the early church would say brothers and, and sisters. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, what Paul's telling us is don't throw the Bible at them. Don't say, oh, I'm so glad that thing happened. I, I told you so. Don't, don't you like that? I don't, it feels good when we can say, I told you you shouldn't do that. I mean, I, I, was, I'm, I was there. I'm, don't, don't do that. But we're supposed to operate in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, we're supposed to be loving and kind. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Number two says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, this person that maybe we don't like or this person that maybe we don't agree with in a social or economic or political or racial sense, we don't believe or we don't agree, and all of a sudden Paul's saying, hey, in a spirit, of gentleness, you should say, hey, I want to help bear your burden. I preached a month or so ago about bad things happening to bad people and how we should pray for those people. Uh, Ananias, Saul of Tarsus, was, uh, was going on the road to Damascus, and he became blind. And the church would say, generally speaking, then, amen, Saul's knocked down, he's taken out, he's blind, he can't see us. Okay, but now Ananias in a vision from the Lord says, hey, you need to go pray for Saul. And Ananias is like, wait a second. This is Saul. Like he's the church persecutor. He, he's killing people, Lord. Yeah, that's the one. Well, go pray for him. See, he's saying bear one another's burdens. In other words, when bad things happen to bad people, the church too should also mourn, not celebrate. That's a tough word today, right? Because it's easy for it, like we're saying, oh, God got him back. Yeah, good. God loves everybody. God is love. He, he wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, who's the neighbor? He's, a, he's that Samaritan. He's the one that's on the road, bandages. The priest passed by, nothing. The Levite passed by, nothing. The Samaritan, the one who's a half-breed who nobody likes or accepts, he's the one that helps. Why is the church continually dropping the ball? We need to step up, Grace Church, amen? We need to step up. We need to bear each other's burdens. Even the bad things that happen to bad people, we need to pray for them that the Lord would just, in, just give them spiritual love and empower them wherever they're weak in their area. Verse number three then says this, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, Paul's teaching today and the other scriptures that we will read. We just pray, Lord, that today you'd open our hearts Lord, you'd open our, our minds, our eyes, Lord, our, our thought process, Lord, that you'd open us to receive what you have for us today, Lord, and as we walk through this together, Lord, that we can be the church, we can be the people, we can be the community, Lord, that loves on people, uh, Lord, that, that bears their burdens and helps them out of trouble, in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. And so I, in scriptures, I always 
try to find a story, and there's so many good stories in the Old Testament. There's so many good stories about David, because David did everything. David was on the mountaintop. He was in the valley. He had all these flaws and failures. You know them. None of us would want our flaws and failures recorded in the scriptures for everybody to read. Over 7 billion copies of the Bible sold in its history. That's a lot of reading. And so, but I, I found a story in 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter, about Jonathan and David. And, and David was in trouble. Saul, Jonathan's father, wanted to kill David because the, the women in the camp would say, and they would sing, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, and, but David has killed tens of thousands. And Saul had a spirit of jealousy rose up. And this is what jealousy will do. Jealousy will kill people, will kill God-loving people. And so Saul uh, was dying inside because of the jealousy. And so Jonathan and David are having a conversation because they're best friends. And again, Jonathan is Saul's uh, son. And David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine? iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that he sees my life. I'm going to give you over the next several uh, verses a word or a small three word phrase of things that you can take with you that will help you get out of trouble. David here says what is my iniquity? He asks. So number one you need to ask yourself hey is there something that I've done? Lord I'm, I'm in trouble. Maybe I've gotten myself here. Maybe I have a sin. Maybe there's something, a disease. Maybe there's financial collapse. Maybe there's failure or a layoff. Lord, I'm in trouble is the first thing I always do. Lord, is there something I've done? Did I do something to get me here? And the Lord sometimes will say by the power of the Holy Spirit, yeah, dummy, here you did. This. Now, he, he's usually nicer, but that's my, my way of interpretation. Yeah, you shouldn't have done this. You should have done this instead. And so I, I ask the Lord when I have peace about it, then I simply know, well, maybe this is a trial and it's something for my making and not my breaking. Amen? So sometimes we have to go through trouble in our life because we come out a little cleaner on the other side, a little stronger on the other side. But the first thing that you should do if you're ever in trouble is go ahead and ask. Hey, did I do something wrong? Communication, not only with the father, but maybe with a, a co-worker or a, an employer, a spouse, or a friend. Someone that maybe you, you wonder, am I doing something wrong? And not in a complaining sense, not in a misery loves company sense, but in a, in a, in a, in a sense that says, I'm asking, would you give me an honest report? Lord, would you give me an honest report? The Bible says we have not because we ask not. And so we can ask for wisdom in our life. We can ask for truth in our life. That's not only just asking for something. Lord, you said I have not because I have not. I'm asking for this material thing or I'm asking for this tangible thing. No, I say, Father, I'm asking for wisdom in my life because I know that there might be trouble ahead. Would you help me avoid that trouble? Would you help me to walk through that? And so we ask in the realm of asking. Verse number two then says this. Now, again, hang on to that. You need to ask. And he said to him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing either great or small, but that he will show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And so Jonathan responds, David asks, and Jonathan responds to point number two is you need to listen. You need to listen with ears. Sometimes Janie will say things to me, and I'll hear her, but I'm not necessarily listening. 
Are you with me? Does that mean sometimes we have to understand that we have to listen? We hear the voice of the Lord. We have to, we hear, now we have to listen. I have a friend in church and he had gotten a message on his, uh, on his voicemail uh, from an anonymous person who somehow got his number. And so he sent it to me because it, I, he felt or I felt like it maybe included me. And so I, uh, he, he, he said, here, take a listen to this. And I'm listening. And then partway through uh, the voicemail, uh, and I had Janie listen to it too, so for, just for verification. So uh, halfway through, the, the lady says, your pastor is beautiful. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been working out. I've been running, trying to eat right. I mean, I try to take care of this. I ain't got much to work with, but I'm trying to take care of it. So I said, honey, listen to it one more time. I wanted to hear it again. Your pastor is beautiful. It's like, yeah. And so my friend, I said, so what? <laughs> Thanks. And Janie hadn't preached yet, otherwise I thought she, they were talking about Janie, but I knew they were, had to be talking about me. And, and he said, no, listen to the rest of it. And, he said, and, and then the lady said, but your pastor is yellow and needs to be nipped in the bud. And I'm like, where I come from, you call somebody yellow. That means they're a fearful coward. So I, t- I was taking offense to that. Wait a second. No, 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 no. I, I might be beautiful, but I ain't yellow. <laughs> so I, I was hearing part of it, but I wasn't hearing all of it. And by, by the way, she couldn't even name herself. Why is she calling me yellow anyways? That's not right. I was getting mad. He said, listen to it. Your pastor, I said, I got it. Your pastor pointed at him. Your pastor is beautiful. And he said, yeah, but my pastor is yellow and needs to be nipped in the bud. He said, but you're not hearing it. You're not listening to it. You're just hearing it. I said, well, what, what are we talking about? He says, she's not saying pastor. She's saying your pasture is beautiful. But your pasture is yellow and needs to be nipped in the bud. She's talking about my field. <laughs> You're talking about me. And I heard the beautiful part. I wanted to grab a hold of that. See, sometimes we listen to what other people say. We hear what they say. And here's the, and here's the thing. Sometimes the weight of the words of the world carry more impact in us than do the weight of the words of the word. And so we hear people say, oh, it's not going to work out. Did you hear this on the news channel, whichever of the hundred news channels you watch? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Oh, it must be. And we don't hear God loves you. We don't hear, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We don't hear greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We don't hear I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, church, are you getting this? We don't listen to what God is saying, we'd rather hear what somebody else is saying. It's a whole lot easier if you just tell me how wrong I am or how bad the world is or how bad everything is going to be. If I can just hear and listen to what God says, he says it's going to work out. Although somebody meant it for your evil, God will turn around and make good come from it. See, we got to listen to the voice of the Lord. We're not listening our oldest two children, Jill and Jessica, and then we had Marcus. They're all 18 months apart, and Janie and I were 23 and 21. Not highly recommended to have three kids. 
that quickly, that young, but we did, and it all worked out. And, and Jill, uh, Jill, I don't know where she got it. We're, we're still struggling to see what side of the family it comes from, but Jill was highly intelligent, like at three, and she would grab Jessica, and Jessica was a little bit of a whiner. Sorry, Jess. She had, she had ear problems, and so she would cry. And we ear doctor and ear specialist and all that, and she'd be crying. And, and then at first, until she got miraculously healed, she, we'd say stuff, and, and, she, and Jessica would look over at Jill, what'd they say? And so Jill would say, listen, Jessica, listen, like a little four-year-old, listen, Jessica. And it was the cutest thing. I think God is in heaven saying, church, listen, listen. Would you just listen? It's going to be all right. Listen, these trials might come. In fact, they must come, but you're going to go through it. You're going to, you're going to get there. The prophet Elijah, who was taking up to heaven in a chariot of fire. So I'd say that's a pretty good close walk with the Lord, right? Like I, he ain't, I don't see a chariot of fire waiting out there for any one of us right now. Like this, this guy walked with God. And so he, he's so mad at the enemy. He's mad at the devil. Don't try this at home. He grabs a sword and he kills 800 prophets of Baal. And I can imagine without being too gory, but I will. At the end of it, he's got blood all over him. His sword's probably soaked in blood. He's sweating and he's, he's sore. He just fought a battle of his life. And Jezebel, that wicked woman, Queen says, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. He just killed 800 prophets of Baal. And all of a sudden, the words of one woman scare him, and he runs up into the mountains. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Layoffs are coming. Oh, God. I might get the virus. Oh, God. And I'm not staying again. I get in trouble when I say this. Not to respect the economy or to respect a virus or to respect those things. Are you with me? So I know, I know, so I'm not trying to say minimize anything because we know people who have died because of it. So I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just trying to say who's more powerful than it? Who's more powerful than those things in our life that get us down? Elijah runs to the hills. God, I need to hear your voice. So the uh, earth quakes. He's listening for God. A tornado comes. He's listening for God. The hills are set on fire. He's listening for God. God, you weren't in the, the wind. You weren't in the earth. You weren't in the fire. Where are you, God? And God says, I'm right here. I'm in a still, small voice. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. It's good. I love to be in the service where we're excited. But you need to start listening. And God says, it's going to be all right. And Elijah says, no, it's not. You left me out here to die by myself. And God says, no, I didn't. I protected 7,000 prophets. They're with you, son. And he was like, now this is a guy who walked so close to God that God took him home without dying. Don't you think there might be some times in our life where we don't hear God or listen to God? But we need to be able to, and listen, prophets are good, apostles are good, evangelists are good. This is the best. You need a word, go right here. Get, get yourself a word. Get yourself a word every Sunday morning. Get yourself a word every Monday morning. Lost my tide check. Pastor Brian will be mad if I throw that away. 
We'll be short this week. <laughs> listen. Listen to what God has. If you are a Christ follower, you have the ability to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. The enemy will try to speak to your head. God speaks through the heart. That's why it doesn't always make sense. And then we rationalize it. We, we make it logical. We, in fact, we start to remove God. Whenever it, whenever it filters here first, we start to remove God. That's why the enemy went to Eve. Did God really say? I mean, he starts to bring doubt. Is it really going to work out? Am I really going to get out of this trouble? Am I really? Start to listen. And then let's go to verse number three. Ask Listen, and David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knows that I have found grace in thy eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved, but truly as the Lord lives and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Number three, you need to start speaking life into your situation. We know the Bible says in Proverbs that the power of death and life are in the tongue, Right? We know that. But the rest of that same verse says, and he that abides by lives by the fruit thereof. In other words, if you speak things to death, they're eventually going to die. If you speak things to life, they will eventually to live. When we walk in that realm and we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start declaring that my marriage is going to work out. I'm going to start declaring my finances are going to work out. I'm going to start declaring my sons and daughters are going to come back into the house of the Lord. I'm going to start declaring. And when I start declaring those things, I'm, I'm speaking live. Jonathan and David are right there. And David is saying, I, I shall not die, but live. And I know that he wrote the psalm there, 119 and 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die and declare, but live and declare the works of the Lord. When Janie was in the hospital seven years ago, she laid in bed. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now, when you confess that and profess that, then you start to declare that. And when you declare that, there's a level of faith that raises up. And when that faith raises up, now you become a powerful person. You can be 80 or you could be 8. When you're declaring life in your situation, now I'm speaking life. No, it's going to work out. It'll be all right. I declare it in Jesus' name. How do you have that authority? The Bible, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to declare things in your life. Why don't we start acting like it? Why don't we start doing it? If I've been given the power to declare, it's like a referee in a game. They can declare right now. They just declare the game's over. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask the, the, the coaches. They just, they just declare. God has the power right there to operate on what you've declared. One word out of his mouth. One, one, one word out of his voice. And all of a sudden, that declaration. You know this. We've talked about it. You've got to speak life. If you catch yourself speaking death, even over, remember what Paul said. Even over those who are supposed to be bearing their burdens, even those bad people who do bad things, I want to declare life. You don't like who's in charge? Pray for them. Declare life over them. You don't like someone who, who's not in charge anymore? Pray for them. Declare life over them. When we start to speak life in that situation, God starts to do amazing things. Amen? Let's go to verse number four. Then said Jonathan unto David, whatsoever thy soul desire, I will even do it for the point number four. You want to write this down? You need to find agreement with people. If you are in trouble 
and you can find someone to agree with. The Bible says, Jesus speaking a couple of things, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there will he be in the middle of them. Amen? So Jesus is right here. Isn't that cool? Like, hey, Jesus, that's awesome. And Jesus said, if two of you will agree as to touching, if two of you will agree as to touching anything, I will do it. So there's agreement. There's the word agreement, the word unity, and the word one accord all mean the same thing. Ephesians 4, verse 3 and 13. Psalms 133, all three verses. Acts, uh, the second chapter, uh, first, the first verse, the third verse, and the 37th verse. They were all in one accord. They were all in agreement, find agreement. There's a power that takes place when you can find agreement, when Z and I agree together. Where Z's got a situation or I got a problem. And I say, Z, would you pray with me? Can you agree? Yeah, I agree. Jesus was finding agreement with Jairus' family because everybody else was laughing them to scorn. And he said, the damsel's not dead. She just but sleeps. They, no, you're crazy. You're, and so he takes mom and dad in and he takes Peter, James, and John and they agree together. Jane and I were at a pastor's conference some years ago and it was an invite only deal in a large church in Texas. A church ran about 4,000 or so, and we didn't know anybody. We knew one of the speakers, uh, uh, the Monday morning speaker. He had preached in our church uh, a couple times, and a super nice guy. And his church at the time was about 4,000, and the host church, his church was about 4,000, and the, the keynote speaker on Monday night, his church ran 50,000 people. And so, Jenny and I thought it'd be fun. Let's go down there, and, and uh, it, you know, it should be really good. We love going to church. We love our church. We love to learn about church. And so, we went to, we went to Texas to this uh, conference, and in the morning, our friend was one of the speakers. And just so you know, he had spoken in our church, and he was speaking at this deal. But like a month later, he was going to go speak at Hillsong. And then he was going to go speak at the, I mean, it's a well-known, this guy was a well-known speaker. And so afterwards, we, we were giving him a high five, and man, what a wonderful job, and blah, blah, blah. And he, Janie and I were talking to him, and, and he called the host pastor off the platform. He said, hey, come here, you need to, you need to I need to introduce you to, to Mark and Janie Dolphins. These guys are the real deal, blah, blah, blah. And he was, he was really just being real kind to us and introduced us. And he didn't have to. There was no reason that he should. And the host pastor was overly kind and a super humble guy. And he said, hey, we got service tonight. And so-and-so is going to be here. And so-and-so pastors a church of 50,000 people. And he's our keynote speaker. And I said, yeah, we saw it on the deal. He said, hey, Mark, I'd like you to close the service. 4,000 people. And my heart went from here to here. And just, I, like, Janie said, let's go get a bite to eat. I said, I don't think I can eat, honey. How come? i got to close the service. It's going to take you three minutes. Let's go eat something. I said, I don't think I can eat. I was nervous all day. Closes 4,000 people. This guy's got a church of 50,000. And, and, and so service came, and they called us up into the green room. They have these green rooms, and, and this church has a green room, and you go up, and you sit with all the, all the speakers. And we don't do that because we, we do things differently. You'll, you'll find that out. This was a whole different level, and they're having, going to the green room, and there's, like, there's pies, and there's cakes, and there's food, and there's grapes, and all this stuff, and the, all these speakers are there. And then, hey, we'll go down together. We go down in the elevator, and we kind of parade us out and they have reserved seating for all of us. I'm closing the service. I'm like nobody. And I don't, how did we get hooked up with this, this crowd? 
And so we're, we're over here sitting, and the, the keynote speaker, uh, he, he a masterful job. 100 people come forward for salvation, and it dawns on me. I'm, I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on, okay? It, it dawns on me. They want me to close the service so that he can leave, <laughs> you know, so that he doesn't have, like, a long line or anything. I thought, oh, I get it. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not offended. I'm actually, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. They're, they're, so uh, the host pastor, uh, the this guy does a great job, and he's going to leave, and he leads these people through uh, the prayer of faith. And, and uh, so uh, my, he's my buddy now. He, he says, uh, I'm going to ask Mark Dolphins to come up and give a testimony and close the service. And so I, I come up, and he gives me the mic, and I talk about a testimony that happened right in our church just a couple months before was Easter. And on Palm Sunday, we did a communion service, and I talked about in the communion service just uh, your agreeing. Part of communion is you're agreeing not only in remembrance with what God did for you, you're agreeing then in futuristically on if you have a need, say like a healing, because Peter said by his stripes, you've already been healed, right? And so we know that this taking communion, I was talking about that and we took communion, we had some people in our church, and one person in our church was a man a little bit younger than me, and he was full of cancer. It just it battled cancer for years. He was full of cancer. Well, he grabbed a hold of this agreement, and he took communion. And the next day, and I looked over my shoulder while I'm giving the testimony, and the, the big-name preacher, he ain't left the, the platform. Like, he's, he's still there. He got a big old smile on his face, and he like, he's kind of rooting the, the testimony on. And the host pastor, he stepped aside, and he's real humble. And he was like, man, good job, Mark. And, and so my, my guy is uh, the, the one who introduced us. He's sitting right over here where my father-in-law is. And, like, he's on the front of his seat. Like, he's like, man, he's just rocking back and forth, almost like an older brother. You know, like, man, I want this guy, this guy is really, oh, it's going good. And so uh, I'm giving the testimony. And Janie, uh, in part of the testimony, I say how Janie uh, got a call the next day, and it was from this guy's wife, the man who had this full of cancer, and she can't talk on the phone. She's hysterical, and, and uh, it's like, what happened? What's wrong? And she's, she's calling her by name and saying, what, what's going on? Is, is it something to do with your husband? Yeah, she's blubbering. And finally, after several minutes on the phone, Janie gets out of her, her, her husband's been healed of cancer. Like they can't find, they can't find, that's worth a shout to the Lord because that's a true testimony. It's like, that's like really happened, okay? And so she finally, and, but she's crying because she loves what God did, but she's so new in Christ, she doesn't even know how to praise God. She doesn't know how to, like, I, what, so Janie's praising God with her on the phone. They're worshiping together. They're having church on the phone. It might have been one of our first online services ever, just via the phone, you know. And so, and so they're having, having church, and it's so, and I'll give the testimony, and the preacher, the big name preacher, he hasn't left. The host pastor, he hasn't He's just like, wow, our friend, the pastor, author, speaker, he's going crazy. And the church of 4,000 just erupts. 4,000 people on their feet giving God praise and glory and hallelujah. And it's like all that happened in maybe three or four minutes, and it was just, it was glorious. So I give the mic back to uh, the host pastor. It's his church, 4,000 people. They turned away people for a solid hour that were trying to get there. For a solid hour, they were turning people away. 
big name preacher. So I turn down, I go right here, and I kind of look at him a little bit. He kind of gives me the, the head nod, you know, like, good job. And, and I, I walk off, and I come down to the, to the front, and it's, it's, our church is smaller than this, than, the, than his 4,000. <laughs> but I come down here, and Janie's, like, excited. And the, my pastor friend, author, he's, like, jacked. This guy still hadn't left. That's what I was up there for, so he could transition, right? It's like, he, he's gone. The pastor friend's like, wow, what a testimony church. Isn't that so cool? And a lady in a wheelchair comes forward. She got two guys with her. And her leg is heavily bandaged. And she comes wheeling forward. And everybody in the house, there was like a hush. And she comes forward and, and she says, would you pray for me? And I, because it wasn't my church, and I wanted to make sure I had authority, I looked at the, the leader of the prayer team, who's a doctor. I said, doctor, and I called my name. She wants me to pray. Is it okay? Or you have a prayer team? And he said, she's asked for you. You have authority in this house to pray for her. And so I said, Okay. And I said, since she was a lady, I asked Janie to come up and pray with me. Would, honey, would you come? And we asked the, the lady, what's the problem? She said, I have a flesh-eating disorder, and it's gone. And you could see in her, on her leg where the bandage was, an indentation. My wife can testify. There was an indentation where the skin was missing, gone. And it had eaten through her nerve of her leg, and she had no feeling. So she was in a wheelchair. Two men with her. Raised her. I said, you could just sit right there. She said, no, I want to stand. And <laughs> she may have had more faith than I did. Just saying. Because they moved the wheelchair. I'm like, all right. They held her. I said, honey, would you just lay hands on her? Now listen. Landon Barefoot, my friend back there, he prays some of the most pretty prayers you're ever going to hear. They're like King James. Like, I want to get saved when he prays. And I'm saved, by the way. Okay? I don't pray that way. Mine are very simple, very basic. I had a guy in the first service amen to me. I said, you don't amen that. You don't amen a simple prayer. And Janie agreed. Yeah, no, his are really simple. He does not pray deep theological prayers. Thank you, honey. And so I, I said, honey, would you lay hands on her? She did. And everybody, the place was, hush. Guy ain't left the platform yet. My buddy over here, like, what's going to happen? Host pastor. And I said, Father, I believe we're all in agreement. I believe that you would honor this lady's faith. It's not our faith, it's her faith. But we can pray by faith, and we can pray words of faith and a prayer of agreement. Janie's laying hands and praying on her in her prayer language, and, and all of a sudden the lady kind of gracefully falls out in the Holy Spirit. And maybe she lays down there for 30 seconds or so. And after a, just like a short time, she jumps up in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? She's dancing around the church. She don't need wheelchair crusters or the two guys that will hold her up. And she takes the bandage off, and her leg is 100% fully healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> totally. I, I, as God is my witness, she was totally healed. Now, now here, here's my point. And then I got a couple short ones. Here's my point. The, the author speaker wasn't saying, why, was, why wasn't I up there? I introduced you. <laughs> 
The host pastor was, wasn't saying, this is my church. I should have been the one. The guest speaker wasn't saying, hey, my church is 50,000. Why aren't I praying? God, it, was like, it was like God used a donkey. <laughs> or a rooster. Or a Pollock. <laughs> God used a nobody to do something so that he could get all the glory. Because had it maybe been somebody else, they would have said, yeah, that guy's got a gift. So hush if you want to find your gift in somebody else and not give God glory, right? Find agreement. That whole place was in agreement. These guys were so humble. They were so, and Janie was so good and gracious with this lady. And all of a sudden, a miracle took place. And a miracle took place because in one moment, all 4,000 people in that place, including and especially the big name people, they were in agreement. God, we want to see this lady get healed. And she got healed in Jesus' name. Can you give it up for Jesus? That's an amazing, just an amazing story. Let's go to verse number five for time's sake. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field until the third day at even. So point number five, make sure you keep yourself from evil. And you know that. We won't stay long with this one. You know that. Don't, don't play around with stuff. Don't, don't do things you shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit is an active agent, third part of the Trinity, to deal with your gut when you're doing things you shouldn't do. And if you play that off long enough, the Holy Spirit won't come knocking on your door very much longer. He'll let you go ahead and do it. You, you're smarter than me, go ahead. But he gives us warning signs. He gives us warning signals. Hey, don't do that. You know, don't go there. That's not good. That's not healthy. That's not right. That's disobedient. That's not part of my word. That's judgmental. That's gossip. Whatever the case may be, listen to the Holy Spirit. But keep yourself. If you are in trouble, you need to keep yourself from evil. Can you say amen? Verse 16, because this, this is the rest of, this is the, the uh, rest of verse 6 through 16. Let's read verse 16 if we can. And David said unto Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. And I should not fail to sit with the king at me. So it's a continuation of the story. But let me go that I may hide. I just don't think that's the right verse for some reason. Now let me read it out of the English Standard Version. Verse 20 says, And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. That's, I don't know why it would be that different on that one. Anyways, it's a covenant. We need to enter into covenant. Can you say covenant? So the Old Testament is covenant. The New Testament is new covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. There's a covenant with God that when we make a covenant with the Lord, things start to happen. So Jonathan and David made a covenant with God. And they're entering into this covenant. With each other, rather. They made, they made a covenant with each other. And their covenant was this. If something should fail with me, would you take care of my family? If something should fail, happen with me, would you take care of my family back and forth? And so there was this covenant. And Jonathan's part of Jonathan's covenant was to make sure that nothing would happen to King David. David uh, was getting ready. He was already anointed once to be king. And then he was going to be declared to be king in a few chapters later. Second Samuel, the second chapter, and 
in 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter. He's anointed by his elders, and then he's anointed by his peers. He'd already been declared by the prophet to be king, okay? And so they, they entered into covenant. I want to tell you today that if you'll enter into covenant with God, he'll make sure that he preserves you. He'll make sure that he takes care of you. If you go to 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, and for time's sake, we won't read it. 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, David's at the king's table. He's been anointed three times as the king, Samuel, by the elders and by his peers. He's sitting at the king's table, and he says, hey, is there anybody left in Jonathan's house? Now, he wouldn't acknowledge Saul because Saul tried to kill him. In the, the record of the day, what would happen if there was anybody left in a house that was preceded you that wasn't family, you killed them so that they, their lineage would die. So he asked for Jonathan. John, David's little helper guy was also in Jonathan's army. So he goes and tells Mephibosheth, David uh, needs to see you. He tells David, there is one left. I can go get him. He said, would you please go get him? And so the helper thinks David's going to kill Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, and that's a tough name, by the way, they should have shortened it, like, to Jack or something. <laughs> Mephibosheth was dropped at five years old and trampled over, so he had no use of his lower, his lay, lower extremities. His lay, he was paralyzed. And so he's now in his 20s or his 30s. The king is calling for him, and uh, he's, he's out in a wasteland. And, they, and he thinks he's going to die. So he comes to the king's table, and it's a long table. And it's full of food and delicacies and, and desserts. And it looks, it looks like our house on Sunday. It's just full of food. And so it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas. And David says, Mephibosheth, and he's trembling. And he has to be carried to the table. David says, I have formed a covenant with your father, Jonathan. You always have a place here at my table. He doesn't kill him. He blesses him. In fact, he says, as the worship team comes back, he says this. He says, not only do you have a place at my table, I will bless you. I will bless you with everything that your father, Jonathan, had. So he gives him back all the land. He gives him back all the increase. He gives him back all the blessing. He gives him back all the servants. He gives them back, he gives them back everything. Now, here's a picture of this. This is a picture of you coming to the table of Christ this morning. Broken, beaten, battered, bruised, got to pass. It looks, you're literally in a grave. And all of a sudden, God makes a garden come out of it. It's like, wait a second, how in the world did that turn around? How, how am I doing better now than they've ever been doing? Don't, don't they know the world's a wreck, and yet, God, you're smiling on me? The name Mephibosheth meant shame that destroys. His heritage was out of Saul. He was Saul's grandson, and Saul became a wicked, jealous ruler. His location was, it meant that he, it was a dry and desolate place. What does all that mean? He had no money. He couldn't help himself. He couldn't even make it to the table without help. Why is that important? Because sometimes that's us in Christ. God, I don't know where I'm going. I'm in trouble. And yet King Jesus simply says, Come here, son. Come here, daughter. Just render your heart to me, and it'll be all right. Was he still paralyzed? Yes. He was still lame. He still had his earthly conditions. But yet he had the peace knowing that there was a king, just as you and I do today, 
that there is a king that would look out for. Would you stand with me right where you're at? I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to contemplate your situation. Have I asked? Have I listened? Am I speaking live? Can I find agreement? I want to tell you right now, everybody in this house is in agreement with you that whatever your situation is, God is going to work it out. If you'll keep yourself from evil, and you'll form a covenant with God today. Every eye closed, nobody looking around for a moment. If you're in trouble today, whether it be spiritual trouble, physical trouble, financial trouble, relational trouble, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. If you're in trouble today, just raise your hand. God bless you. I see those hands. God see those hands. See those hands all across the building. Put your hand down. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing this song from gardens or from graves to gardens. I want you to know today that in just a moment, just a word, just like that lady got healed, God can speak right into your life wherever there's agreement, the presence and power of God are there. Father, we speak today, those that raise their hands all across this building, whether it be, Father, Lord, a, a relationship issue, a physical issue, Lord, whether it be a spiritual issue or a financial issue, those that are in trouble today, Lord, we are agreeing with them that you're going to work it out, that you have a miracle for them in Jesus' name, Lord, that you, Lord, will make them the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, you will call them healed by the stripes that you already bore. We declare that and we speak and we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.
it around. In first service, I, I shared um, a, a little bit of a testimony, and the people were there, and I didn't want to take anything away because I didn't have permission to share names or anything, but they said, Janie, you just share that story with anybody you want to. But it goes so perfect with the, the sermon, and, and um, these people had tried and tried and tried to have a baby, and it just wasn't happening for years and years, and just everything they could do, and it just still wasn't happening. So they said, you know what, there's a baby out there that God has for us, so we're going to try and um, put in for adoption. And so they were so excited, so they put in for the adoption, and the papers came back, no, you're not qualified. It's like incredible people people love God but because of a, a small thing in his past they didn't think he was, was gonna have it and he said I was so angry and so mad that something that happened in my past I was being judged for today because that's not who I am and and my wife who wants a baby more than anything in the world God's got to turn it around and first person he called was Pastor Mark and just weeping he said they turned us down so that next day we went to where well, we prayed that day but that next day we went to prayer and we said no god you got to turn that around you got to make that dry bone and become an army you got to whatever that situation is we're not going to receive that we're going to speak life and we're going to they're going to change their mind and i heard in that first service there's like a three percent chance that they ever change their mind when they make their decision on that um Mother's Day, I think it was that Monday, he called on last Monday, said, they changed their mind. We're getting a baby. So it's like, but God, right? Because they didn't receive that report. And that, that's what that's what pastor's saying to you. Listen, don't receive everything that comes to you. You've got the authority. You've got the power. We have been given it through the word of God. Our job is just to ask and to listen and then come in agreement and then watch it happen so whatever your job whatever your situation whatever hardship maybe you're walking through today you say i don't know how it's going to work out it is going to have to take a miracle well you've asked you've listened and now you've came in agreement here this morning so now you can just sit back and say okay i don't know how it's going to work out but it's working out amen so let's do that best this week. Let's take that with us, okay? So whatever your situation, um, so many testimonies we could share. Y'all know my mom's. She's just a walking miracle. Because we didn't receive what the report of the doctor said. We said, well, we asked. We listened. We agreed. So that's what we got to do. Amen. All right. Before I pray for you, all of the ladies in the house that was here last Sunday, only last Sunday. I, I, you have to hear that because I don't have that for you. If you were here last Sunday and you ordered a shirt, because I ran out last week, we ran out of shirts. And so if you were here and you put your name down and Carol marked your name, she's gonna be there so she knows who you are. So you just go out to the, the um, info booth and you can pick your shirt up that, that you ordered last week. So if you were here and we didn't have your shirt, we have it this week. So um, 
Let me just pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are so good. We thank you for your incredible word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who who brings us that wisdom and brings us that knowledge and is that comforter, that paraclete, that one that just comes alongside when we don't know what to do, when we need help, when we are in trouble. We can cry out to the Holy Spirit. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need that. So, Lord, we just ask ask this week that the Holy Spirit would go with each and every person in this room. You would be their guide. You would be their teacher. And we would listen and we would hear and see miracles because miracles have not stopped. Miracles are still today because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're hearing that today. We're hearing that through the songs. We're hearing that through the message. So we declare that over their lives. Open doors that need to be opened up. Cause favor to come into situations that need favor. Lord, but shut doors that need to be shut that we wouldn't walk through places where we don't need to be. We love you and we bless you and we thank you so much for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. Pray you have a blessed week and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.